Hi, I'm Daniel. And I'm Frankie. And this is Propagated Podcast. Special holiday edition. I've been in a little COVID bubble for the last couple weeks, and I miss you. I know, but props to you for doing it the right way. There are plenty of people who don't, so. Thanks. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, I'm also an extreme introvert, so it was kind of like, yes, I get to stay home for three weeks. (laughs) Man, you got to miss, like, the bulk of your store's retail nightmare, too, so that's got to be nice. I feel so badly, though, like the holiday rush, and I'm like, oh, sorry, can't. I'm participating in the pandemic. (laughs) 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 yes so yeah daniel and i haven't recorded in a minute because i had the old covid and i sounded like a hot garbage train so here we are now she made it she's on the back end of it i am i am so if i sound a little stuffy don't blame me blame the pandemic (laughs) what would you like to banter about do you want to banter about how horrible holiday shopping is because i hate it (laughs) did you go holiday shopping this week (laughs) I've been holiday shopping for two or three weeks now, and Ugh. I'm an incredibly indecisive person, so it's literally hell for me Yeah. to try and buy things for other people. I did get you a present, though. <gasps> I got you a present, too. I think you're going to love it. I'm so excited. Maybe we can do a through-the-door gift exchange yeah, <laughs> tomorrow, because <laughs> I'm going to be out and about tomorrow doing the last bits, last legs of my familial holiday shopping. And I'm, I will be happy to see it go. <laughs> yeah, I'm not the biggest fan of Christmas. I don't know if it's like, I think it's just the stress. Like, I'm already a very anxious and stressed out person. And so like, thinking I'm going to forget someone or what if I didn't get them enough presents or what if I'm not excited enough or what if, you know, all of that stuff just stress. And then shopping too, just like stores are overwhelming, the music, the lights, the graphic design, all of it. Especially during a pandemic where it's yeah. like, please don't touch me. Yeah. Why are there 500 of you in here right now? Why are you so close to me? This is not six feet. <laughs> totally. What about you outside of being locked in your home? Well, I redesigned my whole Animal Crossing island. <laughs> I love that. Also, thank you for all of the generous gifts you have given me and my Animal Crossing newbie friends. I am so the past little bit. excited you're playing now. I just like, I feel like I'm just like this like awesome wealthy person that just shows up in a fur coat with all these bells and I'm like here Daniel here's a new coat (laughs) you're like the moniker of wealth in this game literally you were like hey you should go shop in my shop and I was like oh man I only brought like 5,000 bells and you dropped 300,000 bells and we're like I think this might be enough to buy whatever you want and I was was like like, buy yourself something nice (laughs) I was like yeah that is definitely enough to buy your whole shop girl what (laughs) I don't know what things cost what's one coat in Animal Crossing (laughs) can't be more than five bells (laughs) it's been great though i really it's an it's an enjoyable escape from reality is how i will yeah refer to animal crossing absolutely also nintendo sponsor us we just we just definitely gave a bunch of viewers (laughs) some some love on your game there hashtag sponsor us (laughs) (laughs) also on the off chance that that spooky actually listens to our episodes since they follow us now i would love to personally shout you out for following us and 
and giving us a little space on your Twitter. That was really cool. Yeah, we found our new favorite podcast this week. It's called That Spooky. They talk about drag queens, and they talk about spooky stuff. They talk about true crime. They talk about paranormal stuff. And it's, like, really... I mean, my whole last three weeks were just redesigning my Animal Crossing Island and listening to Johnny and Tyler. <laughs> it was, I mean, Frankie just turned me on to this podcast, and I've made it like 10 episodes in in like three days, so devouring it. It's great. I love it. Mm-hmm. It's very much our kind of thing. <laughs> 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 oh, okay. So, I am so excited for this episode. We're getting into the holly jolly spirit. Woo! I mean, maybe. I'm not super holly jolly, but okay, do I need to I'm going to talk about song? it. I'm going to sing you a song this episode. <laughs> I'm excited. I'm excited. For everyone's listening pleasure, I will not sing you a song. <laughs> well, what are you going to tell me about today? Well, in the spirit of the holiday season, I'm going to talk about trees. Trees! <laughs> one of our favorites. Shout out to Trees. We love them on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> if you watch TikTok, one of my favorites is a Jew who loves trees. He's hilarious. Oh it makes me laugh all the time. I, I saw the video of him talking about his favorite pine cones. That was amazing. Yeah, such a good video. <laughs> but realistically, when I consider like the traditions of the Yule season, one of the most prominent things and one of the most like iconic things is having an awesome pine tree set up in your house and these trees are rooted in like some deep deep tradition that's way more than just christmas and i'm just going to preface this by saying i am as is per usual going to be a little preachy in this episode so that's just going to happen but before we get to all that let's talk about the douglas fir which is Probably one of the most common trees used in holiday se- celebrations, at least live trees. So Douglas firs are medium-sized to extremely large evergreen trees. Like, when I say that, I'm, like the smallest ones, adult size, are around 70 feet, but they get all the way up to 330 feet tall. Whoa. Now, just as a sidebar, that's only the coast Douglas firs that get that tall. It's a specific type of Douglas fir, but... Still, 330 fucking feet tall is ridiculous. (laughs) And they can get up to eight feet in diameter, which is absurd. Dang. That's more than social distancing. (laughs) Um, Excuse me, ma'am. I need a Douglas fir between us. Please back up. (laughs) Right. Just just one Douglas fir. That's all I'm asking for. Okay. (laughs) Um, The leaves are flat, soft, linear, two to four centimeters long, which is three quarters to one and a half inches long. And they occur singly instead of in groups like other pine trees. Mm. And it's also important to note that a Douglas fir isn't a true fir. There's a difference. And I'm not going to lie, I didn't go that deep into what <laughs> qualifies that difference. You're just but, like, um, she's not a true fir. Yeah, but she's not a true fir. <laughs> um, and then the female cones are pendulous with persistent scales. Which is one of the differences I just found out in rereading my notes of a true fur oh, and a oh, Douglas yay. fur. Past Daniel looking out for future Daniel. <laughs> and they are distinctive in having long tridentine, which I kind of really enjoy that word, and I don't know if I'm saying it right, but yeah. it just means three-pointed. And they protrude prominently above each scale. So 
the person who wrote this said it resembles the back half of a mouse with two feet and a tail. Okay. And we'll post a picture on the Instagram <laughs> to make sure that makes any kind of sense because I realize me just saying it probably doesn't do much for we need you. A but... visual. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, but realistically, that's giving you an impression of what your standard, I guess, at least modern Christmas holiday tree would look like. But now I'm going to get preachy because this is what I consider to be the interesting and fun part of talking about stuff like this. So before Christianity even flitted into existence, people in the Northern Hemisphere were taking cuttings of evergreens and adorning their homes on the winter solstice. That's And the winter solstice, yeah, is today as we're recording. (laughs) And the winter solstice is the shortest day and longest night. And so these people were adorning it with the evergreens as a way of celebrating the end of shortening days and the return of lengthening days, which is something I'm also very fucking excited for. (laughs) (laughs) Specifically in Northern Europe, you have the Celtic Druids, and they decorated their temples with evergreen bows. And in their religion, these plants represented eternal life because they never, they don't go through any kind of flux in having leaves or just permanently green beautiful trees oh my god you said bows and i immediately went to like big ribbon bows in my brain not like bows like bows oh is it bows am i saying it wrong no no no. i don't think you are i think it's also bows but like i just like in my brain i was like how did they tie that (laughs) how did (laughs) (laughs) sorry sorry oh god um i imagine it would be fairly hard to tie but you could do it you could do it if you tried hard enough some like young green green ones you know (laughs) (laughs) but so these events in especially with the celtic druids obviously weren't centered around the birth of some godly child they're rather celebrating the earth and its solstice so the winter solstice was seen as one of the most significant celestial events of the year if one were to look at some ancient druidic burial chambers Many of them were shaped in a way as to capture the full impact of the sun's rays on this day, which I think is kind of cool. Yeah. I also always thought it was really wild to think about how all these, like, ancient peoples and civilizations had such a knowledge of, like, celestial events and occurrences. Yeah. All right. Now to the preachy shit. The celebration of Yule is one of the many pagan traditions bastardized by early Christians desperate to convert the pagans to their ways. It's something that I have a very high horse about, and I'm sorry that you all are going to have to listen to it. No, don't apologize for it. When you said you were going to do this, I was like, yes, somebody has to. (laughs) (laughs) This is what we're about here on Propagated, telling the true history. So I can't talk about Christmas without ranting a little bit about the erasure of pagan tradition at the hands of early Christians. Mm -hmm. I'm going to preface this by saying that everyone... Whoever is listening is entitled to practice any spiritual belief or practice that you see fit. And I'm not here to say that every Christian practice is bad. That being said, the Christian religion has a history of colonization. And that history has to be recognized. Mm -hmm. I could speak for hours on end about the Christian erasure of cultures. But I won't go too crazy deep into it. The most important takeaway here being that... If you are a Christian and get together to cook a meal and or celebrate a holiday, you can bet your fucking ass the traditions seen within were bastardized versions of pagan celebrations. Mm -hmm. For example, everything from Easter 
which is a celebration of new life and the goddess Easter, or Ishtar, or Ishtar, depending on what religion you look at and the pronunciation from different cultures, to Christmas, which is a literal ripoff of Yule and Saturnalia. And keeping the knowledge of the past is important, and I would be remiss not to at least comment on the history of appropriation there. So like I said, I'm not going to go too crazy deep into it. That's my little point on that. And now I'll go back into a more modern take on where Christmas trees got popular and why they're here. <laughs> so when we talk specifically of having like a full tree, we kind of move forward from ancient pagan traditions and, and the ancient world closer to the 16th century and Germany specifically. So you had German people decorating full fir trees in their home. And so this was during the late Middle Ages and at that time, it wasn't uncommon to have huge plays celebrating Adam and Eve Day, which is essentially like a retelling of the story of creation. And so Christmas trees were originally called paradise trees and were used in these performances to embody the Garden of Eden. So they're like placed in these plays and laden down with like fruits and like golden apples and stuff like that to embody a paradise full of like option, you know? Mm -hmm. But the paradise tree was used in these performances to embody the Garden of Eden. Now, step in Christian prudes again, and the clergy didn't like the performances, likening them to heathenry. Mm -hmm. So the people ended up taking their fun inside and started decorating trees inside the home instead of decorating fir trees outside of the home oh. or in the plays. So you'd often find paradise trees accompanied with wooden pyramids that had evergreen boughs on them. Mm. Bows, boughs. I don't know. I don't know how to say that. Maybe <laughs> I don't know. Anyways. So on the pyramids, you could find a candle for each member of the family. And so from this grew the tradition of ornamentation and lights on more modern trees. Oh, cool. And I think this a fun little bit of legend that i couldn't find anything to like verify that this was completely true but i guess it's kind of like a 16th century urban legend is that the first person that ever hung a candle atop one of the trees was martin luther who if you don't know who that is he was a very prominent christian back in the day he's the reason that modern christians can read the bible instead of just priests reading it because he translated it from latin to english so that it was a so that people could actually read the real Bible instead of being told what was in it. Um, but according to the story, he was walking home and became overwhelmed with the beauty of starlight falling through the fir trees. And he wanted to emulate that experience on the family tree. So he put candles on it to like mimic that like starlight oh. image falling through the branches of trees, which I think is really cool. I love that so much. But outside of urban legend, what we know to be true is this. In 1605, we have records that inhabitants of Strasbourg, Germany, set up fir trees in their parlors and hung roses cut out of, like, colorful paper and apples and wafers and gold foil and sweets on their trees. And that's the first, like, written knowledge of, like, in-home, fully decorated fir trees. But again, the early days of the Christmas tree were laden with hate from more conservative Christians. For example, Lutheran minister Johann von Donhauer complained that the symbol distracted from the only true everlasting life, 
Jesus. English Puritans attacked trees and things like Yule logs and the use of holly and mistletoe. Then you have Oliver Cromwell, who was an influential British politician in the 17th century. And this guy preached against the heathen traditions of caroling, decorated trees, and any joyful expression, saying it desecrated the sacred event. So basically anything fun. Yeah, essentially. <laughs> um, but anyways, let's move from the 17th century to the 19th century, which is a little bit more modern, and talk about the actual proliferation of the tree. Mm. So in reality, Queen Victoria, who was a very popular queen in Britain, can be credited for the spread of decorated trees. Um, a tradition that had kind of fallen into a sort of obscurity anywhere outside of Germany was given a chance at prominence again when, in 1846, the Illustrated London News sketched the family standing around a decorated tree. And now there were some German immigrants in Britain that were obviously continuing the practices of their homeland and were still using trees and stuff in their homes. But the lay people of Britain and the locals of Britain hadn't caught on to it until then. And because she was so popular, they in turn started doing the same and decorating their own trees. Now, across the ocean, obviously the influence of the monarchy was quite a bit less. Um, that didn't stop the Americans from getting on board, though. There were a lot of American civic leaders seen around trees exchanging gifts, and this was kind of used as an attempt to create a more family-centric event and curb what they considered the overly decadent Christmas customs. Oh, you know, just like singing and drinking. Yeah, caroling and drinking and that <laughs> stuff, no. So in other words, the prudes were jealous and wanted people to stay home and be just as miserable as them during Christmas. <laughs> the Grinches were winning. <laughs> but in U.S. history, the first president to bring a Christmas tree in the White House was actually Franklin Pierce, and that was around the 1850s. It was then Calvin Coolidge that started the National Christmas Tree Lighting Ceremony on the White House lawn, and that wasn't until 1923. And so while it was certainly not traditional for like every Christian to adorn their home with Christmas trees, the influence of Western consumerism led to trees becoming a staple in American homes. This influence also spread to over other faiths over time. Like, take Japan as an example. They now have Christmas trees in their home around this time of year because they thought it was fun. Also, if you've never looked at the crazy ingenuity of Japanese Christmas trees, you need to Google that shit. Oh, I haven't. I have to. I saw one. I think it was in a public place. I'm not positive. That was Godzilla-esque, like literally shaped like Godzilla and blew literal fire out of its mouth. Oh, that's so cool. <laughs> and I'm just saying that's pretty fucking awesome. That <laughs> is awesome. I think that's pretty fucking awesome. But, Maybe um, a fire hazard, but awesome. <laughs> well, you know, if you do it right, if you do it right. <laughs> but the Christmas tree has honestly gone a long way from its humble pagan origins to the point that it's almost become too popular for its own good. And I'm not going to harp 
too heavy on it, but in the U.S. alone, 35 million Christmas trees are sold annually, joined by 10 million artificial trees, which are surprisingly worse from an environmental perspective. Well, yeah, they're plastic. And annually, 300 million Christmas trees are grown in farms around the world to sustain a $2 billion industry. But because these are often not enough, many firs are also cut down from forests. And so, I mean, I am guilty of buying a mini Christmas tree this year. But moving forward, I would say it might be worthwhile to consider a more creative and sustainable alternative to Christmas trees in the future. We've done, my family tradition was that um, every year one person got to pick a Christmas tree. And every year it was my turn. I would pick a potted Christmas tree and then we'd plant it in the spring because like I've that. always been this way. And I, we still do that. We did that this year. I have two little potted Christmas trees this year. It can't really hold that many lights, but you know, a Santa hat makes a perfect topper. <laughs> That's super cute. I'm into it. All right. I realized that I probably went a little off the rails on this one y'all come for a plant podcast and get a dissertation on pagan erasures and the history of the christmas tree but that is our new tagline propagated but... podcast y'all came for plants we gave you paganism and capitalism <laughs> um but you know tis the season so happy holidays and i hope i didn't ruin christmas for anyone no i actually have a little bit of that in my story too i think that pretty much covers mine it was a little bit shorter than i thought it was going to be but i still think it was fun that's okay. I've got some good, I've got some juicy folklore for y'all today. <laughs> okay, so I went down this little rabbit hole and I got to this point of YouTubing old English caroling songs. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm going to sing one for you. <laughs> Do it. Was hail, was hail all over the town. Our toasted is white and our ale it is brown. Our bowl it is made of the white maple tree. With a wassailing bowl we'll drink to thee. <laughs> what? I love that. Isn't that great? I was That's just going to so read it cute. and I was like, I can't. I have to sing it. <laughs> I'm so glad that I didn't go deep into wassailing because I thought about it and then I didn't. It's great. Okay, so I'm going to talk about wassailing but i'm also going to just talk about spice drinks in general and like the plants that go into that and where they come from and a little bit about our humble beginnings of drinking culture full circle going back to booze that's where we started kind of yeah i feel like the next episode should be whiskey personally but <laughs> we can talk about that i don't like you making decisions without me frankie <laughs> <laughs> we'll talk about it okay all right all right i'll put it on a post-it note so we're gonna start off with the first documented toast in history. Geoffrey of Monmouth, the 12th century author, he wrote this book called The History of the Kings of Britain. And in there is the first recorded toast. It is 450 CE in England, and it was a feast in honor of the British King Vortigern by Hengist, the leader of the Saxon allies. Can I just say that I want fucking old English names like that to come back? What the fuck? Can you say those right? names again? They're so fucking cool. Vortigern and Hengist. Gern, like, right? like G-U-R-N, like Vortigern? G-E-R-N, yeah, Vortigern. I love that. <laughs> so King Vortigern and Hengist. Hengist is the leader of the Saxon allies. And the story goes that Renwine, uh, Ren Renween, Renween, also known as Rowena, 
Rowena was the daughter of Hengist, and she, in her beautiful, charming glory, brought the drunk King Vortigern a bowl of spiced wine and was like, here, drink from it, and cried out, Was hail, which means good health. And he replied, drink hail, which means drink in good health. And that was the first recorded toast in history. And he was super enchanted, and he was like, girl, I'm going to marry you. Can, can, can we maybe bring that back? Yeah. Can we just scream Wassel every time Was we take hail. a shot? <laughs> You're supposed to reply, drink hail. I'm sorry, I was already drinking. Drink hail! <laughs> so, wasseling is a drink, but it's also a verb. It's also, you know, it's got a lot of this rich history, and it kind of morphed into a whole bunch of stuff that we see today. But the act of wassailing started with pre-Christian farmers in England's southeast apple growing region. They would gather in midwinter in their orchard and they would be shouting and they'd be pouring cider all over the trees to ward off evil spirits. Yes. <laughs> As Christianity spread, the ritual changed to singing and drinking to the health of the next season's crop on the 12th night of Christmas, which was the last night of traditional Christmas which could be January 5th or 6th, depending on if you count Christmas Day or not. Basically, these people, not wanting to be branded as heretics and burned, just kind of mushed it together with Christmas. So, they have, like, the caroling and all that kind of stuff just got mushed together with the Christian holiday. <laughs> so, here's a little folk tale from that time. I think the name of this is so funny. It's the folktale of the apple tree man. <laughs> I don't know why I think that's so funny. It's like, okay, I mean, like, you could have maybe come up with a more charming I mean, is name this than like, apple tree man. <laughs> is this like Johnny Appleseed or, or what no, was happening? it's more like, you know the story of the green man? Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. it's more kind of like that, like, you know, this. So basically what it is is the apple tree man is the spirit of the oldest apple tree in the orchard, where the fertility of the orchard is thought to live. One day, a man comes into the orchard, and he offers his very last mug of mulled cider for the tree. He's like, I'm so poor, please, tree, though, you can have this cider. And he was rewarded by the apple tree man, who revealed to him a location of buried gold, which was more than enough for the man to pay his rent. Ooh. I mean, that's kind of cool, though. Like, I just want to pour a drink on a tree and get some money for rent. <laughs> I mean, maybe you can. Yeah, we haven't tried it yet. So, that kind of morphed over time to where some regions of medieval Britain, the wassail was when the tenants would gather in the manor house and the master of the house would hold a bowl of steaming spiced wine or ale. And he would be like, wassail! And they would be like, drink hail! But in other places that were less, shall we say, um, calm, <laughs> drunken crowds outside the feudal lord's homes would drink these bowls of ale and they would sing as loud as they could and they would refuse to leave without Christmas treats. <laughs> Ooh. And they would, and the, it would go on for hours and hours until the lords finally were like, "Oh my God, there's so many drunk people outside of my house. They're, they're all carrying fire. I'm just gonna give them some cake." <laughs> Which so it's like, actually, 
Go so ahead. it's like trick or treat, except Pretty better much. because it's the proletariat society standing up to their fucking overlords. I love exactly. it. I'm into it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so the line in We Wish You a Merry Christmas, where they go, now give us the figgy pudding. We won't go until we get some. That's what it's from. I'm going to be perfectly honest in saying I didn't know that that was in that song. <laughs> but fuck yeah. Into Honestly, it anyways. Either. I tried to sing it and I was like, I'm really bad with melodies of like popular songs. It's so, it's strange. And it's like, now give us a figgy pudding. We won't go until we get some. Is that right? We Merry Christmas. Yeah, I think that's right. <laughs> I mean, we're just going to say yes. We're going to go And with assume yeah. that it's right until somebody on Twitter inevitably tells us that it's wrong. <laughs> Which we love. Anyways, Merry Christmas, y'all. But the only way you can tell us it's wrong is if you respond with an audio clip of you singing it properly. <laughs> Otherwise, you will be ignored. <laughs> now, this is interesting. So, this kind of morphed, you know, them all going to the feudal lord's house. It kind of morphed into carolers going door to door, being festive with their neighbors, singing, sharing their bowls of spiced wine with their neighbors door to door. And people would join in the festivity by dipping bread instead of sipping from the bowl. So they dip bread in it and eat it. Which is literally where the word toast comes from. You would toast each other. I just can't decide if I love or hate that. Right? I was like, <laughs> oh, I guess I could have, I, like, I probably should have seen that it came from bread. But, <laughs> but I didn't think it actually came from bread. <laughs> Fuck. Yeah, etymology is wild. I'm going to have to sue in my ignorance for a while. That one, that one's a lot. <laughs> so the drink itself was generally spiced wine with meat or honey in the beginning and then it kind of morphed into this hot punch beverage with mulled wine and nutmeg and raisins and then it kind of turned into cider or wine heated with bobbed apples and orange slices in america however the tradition separated and it turned into eggnog and the hot toddy both of which i love same well, I always think I love eggnog, and then I drink a glass of it, and I'm like, you know what? That was enough for me. <laughs> yeah, I mean, eggnog, I feel like, is a one-and-done kind of situation. Yeah. Whereas hot toddies, I can have, like, 15 of them. I can have a million every day of the year, because they're basically medicine, and I'm going to tell you about it. <laughs> the hot toddy is one of my all-time favorite drinks, and we're going to talk about that next. So, the hot toddy. It started from British-controlled India. So in the 1610s, there was the Hindi word of taddy, T-A-D-D-Y. And basically that was a beverage made from fermented palm sap in India. By 1786, the taddy was defined as a beverage made from alcoholic liquor with hot water, sugar, and spices. So then, you know, the British did what the British do and they appropriated this drink and claimed it as their own. And as these cold winters and the dampness of northern England and Scotland came around, these pubs would pour hot water into their Scottish whiskey. And since the UK trade routes with India were alive and well, they would also use these exotic spices that they would put in there, and the pubs would, you know, mix into this hot water and whiskey. So there's kind of a little bit of a debate about that origin story. Some people were like, no, it's because of Dr. Robert Bentley Todd. 
because he was the first one that really ordered patients to drink hot brandy with cinnamon and sugar water as a cure for, you know, whatever ails them. But it's probably, honestly, a mixture of both. (laughs) I mean, you know, column A, column B situation. Yeah, for sure. By the mid-19th century, the hot toddy became the treatment for the common cold. It, like, widely accepted. Everyone's like, give your kids some whiskey. They'll be fine. (laughs) It is said that hot toddies can loosen congestion and stimulate saliva. An expectorant, if you will. Yes. Oh, I love that word. Expectorant. It's, I mean, it has a gross meaning, but it's a cool word. (laughs) If you've never had a hot toddy, I'm going to give you my recipe because I love my hot toddies and classic. I think it's kind of funny that I'm talking about this instead of you, Daniel. You're the bartender. I mean, I might be a bartender, but if we want to be realistic about it, if it's busy at a bar and you order a hot toddy, your bartender's not going to like you anymore. (laughs) Um, Just as a side note for all you... People that might be service industry people listening, I got your back. I'll tell people (laughs) what bartenders hate happily. Um, But if you're going to make a hot toddy, generally what I do is, and I have a twist. This is like my personal thing that I appreciate and like in a hot toddy. I like cinnamon, nutmeg, lemon slice. In the lemon slice, I like to take whole cloves and stab the lemon with the Mm -hmm. whole cloves and put that in the lemon. Put all of that in your glass first. Pour honey on top. Mm-hmm. Pour whiskey on top of that. Mm-hmm. Then you add your hot water and stir. And at the end, I like to put a small little layer of cayenne pepper on the top because it adds a nice little kick and it makes your nose run. So when you're not feeling that great in the wintertime and your nose is stuffy, it's nice to take a sip of a nice spicy hot toddy and clear your ailments out. I love it. You and I had the exact same recipe up until the cayenne, but I'm going to try that next time. That yeah, that, that's like my personal twist on it. And yeah. An old bartender friend showed me that one time when I ordered a hot toddy at the bar. I'm like, do you want me to put some cayenne in this? And I was like, the fuck? That's weird, but absolutely. <laughs> yeah, and so then I had it, and it is actually my most favorite way to have a hot toddy now. I love that. That sounds amazing. Yeah, that's how I do it too. And you have to put the cloves in the lemon because it looks so cute. They just like, love it. It looks cute and it reduces the choking hazard by 5,000%. So <laughs> That's fair. That I mean, I'm like, it looks cute. And you're like, yeah, it's practical also. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like that is our personality though. Yeah, for sure. You're like, that's really cute. And I'm like, but here's why I do that because there is a reason. In the hot toddy, in our recipe that we share, there's the cinnamon, which is the bark of the tree cinnamomum, cinnamomum, sounds right, I don't know, which the oils of that tree have this high compound called cinnamaldehyde, which is where scientists say the health benefits come from, including, most of all, anti-inflammatory benefits. Then you have your honey, which is notoriously antibacterial. Then you have your lemon for vitamin C. You have your cloves and ginger. Oh, I put ginger in mine sometimes too. You didn't have ginger in yours, but I, didn't, I think but instead of the cayenne, I use the ginger for like, yeah. That is a healthy supplement to add in there. Yeah, and ginger helps your stomach a little bit, and cloves help you open your sinuses, which cayenne would do too. Um, your hot water soothes your throat. And then you have your whiskey, which is just fermented grain mash. Plants, plants on plants on plants. It's a drink of plants. And you know what whiskey does? It soothes your mind and it lessens your anxiety. 
And fun fact, anxiety and stress have direct effects on your immune system. So drink a hot toddy. It'll make you calm and it'll make you healthy. I mean, you know, if you're anything like me, just go ahead and drink five hot toddies to help you. <laughs> You'll sleep like a fucking baby. It's great. Better than NyQuil. <laughs> yeah, so that's that. That's my hot spice drinks with plants. You know, Happy it really makes me want to take this other bottle of wine that I have and turn it into mold wine because that shit's good. Oh, yeah, that does sound great. But also, it was, I mean, I know it's only like a $9 bottle of wine, but if I'm going to make mold wine, I usually get like a $9 gallon of wine and go from there yeah that hangover is not pleasant though you know you got the headache and then everything tastes of spices and christmas i tell i'm telling you the best thing to do get yourself a goodies or a pc powder eat that shit before you go to bed i don't know what that is and chug a glass of water and your hangover is going to be there but it won't be as noticeable <laughs> uh, you don't know what bc powder is or goodies, no, goodies powder no wow that's just proof that you ain't southern, truly. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I drink coconut water. <laughs> no, I think BC powder was like endorsed by Jeff Gordon or somebody. Like literally, like anybody who's ever watched NASCAR is like super. Yeah, I take my BC, and then there was another one that had goodies powder, and it was like a fight that they had it was BC oh, powder, goodies powder better. But Got it's it. literally like, it. I mean, I think it's just acetaminophen. But it's in powder form, so you put it on your tongue and you chug it, and it's super fast acting instead of the pill having to dissolve in your stomach. It's really the only difference. Yeah. Happy holidays, Daniel. Happy holidays, Frankie. So we have super big news. We worked really hard, and we put together a propagated website, and we have a Patreon now. So if you want to support the show, you can do that directly. Or you can go to our brand new website, propagatedpodcast.com. We have some merch. We have some stickers. We have some shirts, which I'm wearing right now, and it's super duper comfy, and I love it so much. Um, and I printed by yours truly with love. I'll send a little kissy kiss in each little envelope. <laughs> and yeah, so if you want to support the show, you can find us there. So we have more places for you to go check out. And it's super easy to find. Literally, our website is propagatedpodcast.com. Mm-hmm. So you don't have to think that hard about it. And once you get there, there's literally a link or a, a button. I don't know the proper words on there yeah, that button. say support us. <laughs> and that will take you straight to our Patreon. I do want to just go ahead and give a shout out, which might end up being a double shout out to the one person who has currently pledged towards yes, our, our Patreon. Patreon. We're so excited. Yay. I don't know how to say your username. It's Germanutix, I guess. I don't know. Germanutix. I'm sorry. I don't know. <laughs> it's a big word. And I think that it's a combination of several words, probably. But thank you so fucking much. You have been a patron currently for eight days. And we appreciate <gasps> yes. that very fucking much. And guess what? You're getting a sticker. If you sign up on our Patreon before the end of January, you are getting a free sticker and a little note of love from us. And what can you beat more than a little love from us? It's the best, I promise. Oh, I'll probably send you some dried grass too because that's what I do. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just like, here, have a little plant confetti. Yay, thank you so much. We are so thankful for everyone who has shouted us out, left a review, um, 
done anything because all of that helps us get more listeners and more listeners means more episodes which means better quality which means more time and everything and we just so appreciate you so much we couldn't do this without you okay thank you so much happy holidays merry whatever you celebrate we are so thankful you're here and thank you so much for joining us and also i know that she already said goodbye but if you would like to follow us on social media Oh shoot! I think oh my God. that it would be cool for you to do <laughs> that because we post some really cool shit on there after our episodes, especially. If you'd like to find us on Instagram, you can find us at Propagated Podcast. And if you'd like to find us on Twitter, you can find us at Propagated Pod because Twitter has limited characters and names. There you go. And if you want to email us about any episode that you would like to hear, any comments on episodes you've already heard, or pretty much just fucking anything we would really like you guys to email us, just do it. You can do that at propagatedpodcast at gmail.com. Also, tell us your favorite Christmas drink. Tell us your favorite Christmas tradition or holiday tradition, whatever you celebrate. Tell us. We want to hear about your arugula. We want to hear about, you know, your candles. We want to hear about your whatever. Just email us. And finally, if you want to see what we're up to and find easy links to our show, you can find us on our brand new fucking website. And that is at propagatedpodcast.com. Fuck yes. And with that, I'm out. Love you guys. Talk to you soon. Goodbye. Bye.